Fjord. The moment I hear the word, I think of Norway. Dramatic coastlines, a cold climate, and to a greater extent than even Canada, a winter wonderland. Norway is the second largest of the three Scandinavian countries. At just over 385,000 square kilometers, Norway sits on the western edge of Scandinavia, right next to Sweden, the largest of the three. And Denmark, by the way, is the smallest at a mere 43,000 square kilometers. Maybe you think of more than fjords when you think of Norway. Maybe you think of famous Norwegians like explorer Leif Erikson, who established the Norse settlement of Vinland, which today is part of Newfoundland. Perhaps you remember reading A Doll's House by Norwegian playwright Henrik Ibsen in university. Or maybe your knowledge of Norway is a little more contemporary. Perhaps you think of ABBA band member Annefred Lingstad or pop group Aqua, EDM group Roiksa, or maybe, just maybe, you think of this flash in the pan song from Norwegian group Ilvis. What does the fuck say? If you have a tenuous grasp on Norwegian life and culture, then you're in luck. Because today we're visiting a Canadian who's living the Nordic life. Join me as we jump over the Atlantic, bypassing the still reeling Brits on our way to Oslo, Norway, on the expats. Welcome to the expats. I'm your host, Adam Rosenhart, based out of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Today's guest is what you might call an outdoors person. She loves the outdoors so much, it's a big part of her master's studies. And Norway is definitely one hell of a place to study others who love the outdoors. They say Norwegians are born with skis on their feet. To tell us more about this, I caught up with Han Vincent while she was actually in Kelowna, British Columbia, where she's working over the summer on a break from a half year in Oslo. I am doing my master's uh, in something called Transcultural European Outdoor Studies. And one of my semesters is featured at a Norwegian school in Oslo. Okay. And I proceeded to just fall in love with the country. So we actually get a choice of where you write your thesis. And I've already got everything set up for Norway. So it's pretty amazing. (laughs) What is it about Norway that really drew you to it? I mean, you obviously had to go there for a semester, but what is it about that place? Yeah, it's, it's like these folk tales that we hear about of like Vikings and ships and like, um, folklore and it's true there they I think I connect a lot to the outdoor culture that's kind of my background and what I focus on in life I work as a ACMG hiking guide and I'm enamored with the outdoors and Norwegians have that at the heart of who they are so Norwegian landscapes and nature is just really, really valued there. So I connected with that immediately. Um, And the people are all very, they're very active and they're very conscious of their environment 
and they tap into it, they use it, they go and play outside. And so that was really just a natural flow for me. Um, also, the, the, the food is good. I like it. It's <laughs> very different than everyone's like, oh, I love like spicy food and, and pasta. But in Norway, it's, it's a very pragmatic food. It's a northern country. And uh, so that's been really neat. And I feel just very happy there. They have a really amazing kind of life-work balance in that country. And so more so than many other countries I've lived in, you're able to, yeah, balance your uh, crazy work schedule with having friends and time out in nature. Why, why do you think the uh, the value is placed on the work-life balance piece? Because I feel like that's something that we really miss here in North America. Totally, Adam. Yeah, I've thought about this a lot, too, because I used to be a teacher and in Canada, and we do not do work-life balance here. We, you know, we have so much burnout in so many different careers. So it's been a primary thought on my mind as I've been in Scandinavia. And I think it's because of the way their society is set up. It's this socialist world of kind of egalitarian values. So people there are kind of all in the same boat and they're all in it together instead of a really competitive nature of trying to make more money than the Joneses, you know. In Norway, uh, people do what they love and they work hard at whatever job that is. It's, I would say, less focused on your status as your position. Um, and you go home at an, a decent time. You go home at 4 p.m. and everyone does that. So people joke about it uh, with the Norwegians being lazy, but it's just pragmatic. So you'll get the like CEO of a company will also go to, wor to work and be there at like 8 a.m. And 8.02, no problem. You're not going to get your head cut off. <laughs> and, uh, and then you can leave at 4 o'clock p.m. and go pick up your kids or go for a ski. And everyone does that. And it's beautiful. Hmm. So you, you mentioned this sort of, um, I, I don't know if, if socialism is the right word, but like, do are, is Norway one of those countries where people get taxed significantly, but everything in their life is kind of looked after? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's taxes are crazy. They pay a lot. Um, I know. I don't think it's a huge jump from Canadians, but yeah, they can go to the doctor, no problem. School's covered. Everything's covered. Your pension. When you retire, you're fine. So I feel like Norwegians have less to to worry about when it comes to their livelihood and things like that, which plays into being less stressed out and more healthy overall. Yeah. You mentioned the, the lazy Norwegian stereotype. It sounds like you're experiencing something different. Yeah. I mean, there's so many funny stereotypes about Norwegians. And there's a few cool... Uh, I guess, social commentaries and comics that make jokes about it. Um, but I feel like you have to be there and live there to tap into the reasons behind it. Um, but there is this kind of animosity between the, the Danes, Denmark and Sweden and Norway that's hilarious. But they have a really interesting history of controlling one another. And so Norway got its independence. So they kind of, they kind of like fight back with this idea. But Swedes will say that the Norwegians are lazy because they go uh, to work late and then they leave work uh, early and they don't get anything done. But Norwegians are just like, it works for us. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> That's awesome. It's it sounds like maybe the uh, the difference between or the perceived difference between shall we say Albertans and British Columbians, where where BCers are a little more laid back. And, totally. And a lot more outdoorsy. Well, maybe maybe that's not fair, but certainly when I think of myself as an Albertan, uh, B, I think BCers are a lot more outdoorsy than I am. That's a really cool, um, yeah, relation. Good one, Adam. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Now, uh, you talked about um, the outdoors looming large in Norway. What do you suppose that is about? Is it the landscape? What is it that draws people out of their homes? Yeah, good question. Um, so this is actually part of what I'm studying in my master's, and it's really, really cool to tap into the Norwegian perspective of the outdoors. They actually have a Norwegian word that is untranslatable, but I'm going to say it. It's called friluftsliv, and it translates into like free air life. And so tons of scholars are trying to make this work in other countries or evaluate why why it is so special to Norway. And it's basically this idea that everyone um, belongs outside and that you should be spending time outside and that's part of who you are. And it connects it to how they preserve their landscape. So, so yeah, like Norwegians will spend every season outside doing things, whatever sport that is, or just going for walks and uh, fishing, spending time in the landscape. And that's just to be expected. Everyone does it. And it's part of their schooling. So it's part of how they're raised in families and in schools. And so then they carry those habits throughout their life, even until their old age. Um, and then there's a few things set up in Norway that I think really help promote the outdoor identity. And one of those things is this thing called Almansraten. And it's basically every human's right to the land. So you'll never see a like private property keep out sign in Norway. You have a right to walk on that land if you're going for a hike or you're walking by the coast. And everyone is chill about it. Like I work as an outdoor guide here in Canada and I have to really be on top of where I can camp, where I can be, what the legalities are of that. Whereas in Norway, you can just walk and be and connect with everywhere. And that's part of law in Norway. Wow. That, that is very unusual. Isn't it cool? It's very cool, I think. Now, you mentioned that people are outdoors at all seasons. It seems to be something that, uh, that we have struggled with, certainly here in Edmonton, where I'm based, uh, is that we haven't uh, readily embraced the fact that we are, in fact, a winter city. And there, there has to be stuff to do during the wintertime. So, so tell me a little bit about winter culture in Norway. Yeah, excellent question. So... I, I did my degree in Edmonton, so I know what you're talking about. And, you know, we in Edmonton have to you bundle up and go to class and it's minus 40 out. But everyone whines about it. So, um, so Oslo has done exactly what you just said. They've claimed themselves as a winter city. And they call themselves, like, the best winter city. So there is always something going on. Always. Always. So it gets people out of the house. It gets people... Um, excited and involved instead of staying cooped up inside and in their caves, I call them. But um, so people, I guess, from a young age, just learn how to dress properly. So it's part of Norwegian fashion is to like be bundled up and be properly like, like clothed and have everything that you need to spend time outdoors. Um, what else? They have a ton of access to ski trails. And Norwegians are, by 
you know, self-claimed ski identity people. That is who Norwegians are. They say that Norwegians come out of the womb with a pair of skis on. <laughs> and it's kind of a running joke, but it's true. You will see everyone out for a ski. Um, I could just ski from my doorstep where I lived into uh, the forest, which surrounds the city. That's another really cool law they have. It's called the forest that surrounds a city is called the Marka. And it's an accessible point by a metro. So you can take your skis on the metro, go for a beautiful, like almost like Jasper or Banff or Kananaskis, go for a ski, take the metro home and have a normal day. That sounds incredible. Yeah. They've, they've got it figured out. Totally. Um, so you're in Oslo. You mentioned that it's sort of surrounded by forest, and there's there's lots to do uh, in the wintertime. Tell me about the tell me about the city. It's a it's the capital of Norway. Yep. And so, um, what kinds of like I often think about some of these Nordic and Scandinavian countries as being um, a little simpler, uh, it, you know, than than sort of your typical North, North American major city. So tell me a little bit about Oslo. What does the skyline look like? Are there tall buildings and that sort of thing? Yeah, a great question. There aren't. The two bit tallest buildings are the Radisson Hotels, and they really do stick out like a sore thumb. <laughs> they have um, a section that's called the barcode, and it looks like uh, thin strips of buildings, and that's basically where like all the financial district is. Oslo has this cool mix of uh, the fjords, so you're on the ocean. And then you can actually take the, the Tebana, the metro, all the way up to into mountainous areas. I mean, it's little mountains compared to the Rockies, but you got to give them credit. Yeah. Um, and then there's, there's a huge art scene for sure. They have like the architecture university and art university. They have this really neat area called Grunaloka, which is like where the hipsters hang out. So really cool places to go check out and neat culture just like Edmonton has like hidden hidden niche spots of different uh, kind of themes and things like that it's really accessible you can walk everywhere and they have trams the metro they have buses they have everything so you can get around really really easily which is one of the other cool things like a lot of people don't even get a driver's license if they live in Oslo because they don't need to really it's yeah, it's so different than Canada, where it's like, if you don't get a license, you can't go to soccer practice, you know? Yeah, you're kind of stuck in your house. Totally. Um, yeah, and so it's, uh, it's a pretty lively city. It's not as bustly in the winter. Like in this last couple months, when the sun came out again, people are like, I swear the population doubled. So that was like, wow, this is crazy and excellent to see people out and about and just soaking up the sun because it it's important yeah no kidding for sure now um tell me about the people you we've talked a little bit about sort of the work-life balance and the attitude when you arrived uh in oslo for the first time were you warmly received were you comfortable what was it like yeah um the people are typical scandinavians so they're very pragmatic and much like Canadians, they like, like their space. So if you were to stand at a bus stop and wait, and there was a bench, you would never sit beside the person up on the bench. <laughs> you know, you would, you would probably go to the third bench away from them and then sit down. And that's natural. If you sat next to them, like in a lot of warmer climates, 
and started a conversation, they would look at you in like fear and not know what to do. <laughs> so they, I like to call them kind of like a hard, uh, like a hard boiled, soft boiled egg people. So they have this kind of colder exterior when you first meet them. Mm -hmm. um, but if you can wedge your way in to their friendship, they are the most amazing people that you can meet. So I wasn't warmly welcomed immediately, but what I did is I got involved in activities and things that is the key to social code in Norway. You have to get into activities and then you have access to being friends with them. Um, it's so different than in Canada where you're at a coffee shop and you could strike up a conversation with someone about the book they're reading and then end up being best friends. So I made friends through ice climbing. I'm a really big climber. And so I just joined this ice climbing group and I put out a message. And, um, and then I made like the best friends I could ever ask for that are just super true to heart. And uh, I think my friendliness was an asset because I was able to just like be friendly, be forward, be Han, and like wedge my way into their lives. <laughs> <laughs> so you were sort of unrelenting in your friendliness. Yeah, which is normal for me and really funny because Norwegians are not generally like that. It sounds like a kind of a, a Canadian approach to befriending the Norwegians. Totally. Yeah, that's totally it. <laughs> <laughs> now, earlier in the conversation, you mentioned uh, that you really like Norwegian food. And I don't really have any idea what their cuisine is like. Yeah. And I was just explaining this to my parents. And it was so funny because... Um, it is pretty different. So it's a coastal nation, like they have a huge coastline. So throughout history and nowadays, fish is one of the main things that they they eat. So lots of different types of fish. They have this thing called torfisk, which is like dried salted cod. And they eat it like we would eat beef jerky. Wow. Yeah. And lots of cool fish dishes that are very regional. So even though Norway is small in Canadian eyes, it's a huge country in European eyes. So you would go to the different areas of Norway that are often separated by fjords, and there would be different cuisine in different areas. Um, but the probably the thing that stands out most for me is their idea of breakfast, frokost. Mm -hmm. They share it with each other. It's like a sit-down breakfast together, and you have a ton of varieties of things things that um so you would basically have this bread type thing called bola and it's just like a really nice bun um and you can get bola with chocolate or bola with like cardamom and it's uh it's really tasty so you would have bread in these bolas and then you would have a table full of toppings and things to put on your bread and they love their toppings so much <laughs> that they have a word for it and it's called poleg and we don't have the equivalent of this so you would be at a dinner table, or a breakfast table, and there's like four types of cheese and like five types of meat and then like 17 different spreads that I can't even name. <laughs> and then you just like, you know, sit and talk and drink coffee and make you make your breakfast sandwich and you eat it together. and You take the time to do that. Um, but they have this thing called Brunost. It's called brown cheese. Ooh. And it's only in Norway. And it's really, really unique tasting. It's like a sweet, hardened goat cheese. I'm okay. not selling it, but I promise people it's good. <laughs> and, then, and you put it on, on waffles. So they make waffles and they put jam 
and this brown cheese, and it kind of melts a bit. And it's probably the closest thing to heaven. Wow. Yeah. I'm kind of drooling. Yeah, totally. A little bit. I've got to figure out how to import this stuff. <laughs> so are you a convert when it comes to uh, to Norwegian food? Do you prefer it over, I don't even know what typical Canadian food is, but do you prefer it prefer it over what you you were used to before? Um, I think I like everything. Like I've lived <laughs> in multiple countries, so I'll eat anything. But I really like, they have this idea of uh, matpaka, which is like a packed lunch. So as a teacher and as an outdoor person, I'm used to packing a lunch, like not going out for a cool like, oh, let's do sushi. It's like, yeah, you pack your lunch in the morning and you put it in a little box and then you eat it at lunchtime. And that's what all Norwegians do, no matter how like famous or rich they are. They will probably have this thing called a matpaka. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So they love the bag lunch. That's their, totally. that's their deal. That's yeah. their jam. Yeah. Now you're back in Canada right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you're here for the summer. I am. Yep. And you'll go, will you go back to Norway in September? I have to do a little stint in Germany in uh, the fall for my degree program, mm-hmm. but I will be heading back to Norway. Yeah, around Christmas time to get some skiing in. Uh, yeah. yeah. And then uh, I am starting my thesis next year in January in Norway. Yeah. So Norway's going to be home for the next little while. Totally. Yeah. Do you think? Uh, sorry. Sorry, I was just going to ask. Do you think it's uh, it's going to be home uh, permanently once you've got your degree? Yeah, this is my this is the crux of my life right now because I have fallen in love with Norway, and I can really really see a future there. And I have some pretty cool prospects with work and life and studies. Um, the ice climbing is phenomenal. It's like unbelievable. Yeah. There, I, I shouldn't say that. I should keep it a secret, but uh, <laughs> it's pretty rad. The ski touring is amazing, the landscape and the access. So all of those things really uh, make a huge influence on where I want to live. Um, and yeah, I'm like, I'm struggling because I, I know I'll miss my family. And I know that this is a place that I, I've been the happiest that I've ever been in Norway. So you got to got to take hold of that. Yeah, you got to follow that. Um, you know, you mentioned there is obviously you're going to miss friends and family uh, living abroad. Is there anything in your travels while you've been away from Canada that outside of friends and family that, that you've really missed that, that just you can't find in other countries? Uh, craft dinner. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's it's a guilty pleasure. Yeah. But wherever I am, I uh, there are some amazing friends and family that send me craft dinner once in a while and it makes my day completely we are apparently a nation of craft dinner consumers I, I think per capita canadians eat more craft dinner than anywhere else in the world you are correct yeah in that statistic so I, <laughs> I i appreciate your spreading the great canadian message done done deal easy peasy <laughs> um i really miss i mean canadians are so cool we really are like dorkily friendly and <laughs> we get made fun of everywhere for this and I have to stand up for it but people love us for it so I do miss that I miss like uh, I've been back in Canada for two days now and I've already had like multiple conversations with people at the lineup or or you know you pull into a store and someone comments on your license plate and people are just friendly in a really small town way and I do miss that because it it gives you the like collective idea of like the warm fuzzies and I'm back in Canada and this is great so I do miss that 
What, what, what advice would you give to uh, other Canadians who are maybe thinking of embarking upon world travel or their first expat experience? Yeah, um, I would say go for it. It's amazing. We have an amazing world. Um, I would say that for Norway specifically, save up your money because it <laughs> is an incredibly expensive place. Um, so that's that's probably one of the most difficult pieces of living there. Um, and then for anywhere that you are, I would say getting involved with local activities so that you can actually uh, tap into the to the culture there. So in Norway, you can do this thing called dugnad, which is the equivalent of volunteering. And everyone does it. You volunteer at events. I volunteered at the X Games in Oslo and met amazing people. So it's a good way to just get in there and make friends. And then my other advice would be, when you can, go hang out at people's homes. Like, go to the actual home of your friend's family. Yeah. Um, because then you just get this amazing, irreplaceable experience of, of culture. And, and yeah, I would say try to do that. Find those authentic experiences and don't just live life in another country as an outsider. That is some solid advice from Han Vincent in Oslo, Norway. And that concludes this episode of The Expats. If there are any expats you think I should be speaking with, have them email me at info at expatspodcast.ca or send me an email yourself. And let's keep building this global network of Canadians living abroad. I've been your host, Adam Rosenhart. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to The Expats on the iTunes Music Store, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play, and make sure you leave us a review. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch up again in a couple of weeks. Bye.